or dessert and come on out and help support that as well. John? We, um, as a church, strive to connect people to the transforming grace of God. You've probably heard that before, but you may not know in a nutshell what is our philosophy. Well, the way we do that is we go, gather, grow, and give. We call that the four G's. Um, going simply means that we're all, we're all sent. We're all sent by God to be missionaries wherever we are. And, um, and we believe that, and we try our best to live that out. Some of us do it better than others, but we're all still striving. Striving. Um, then uh, we gather. We regularly gather, not just to worship God, but to grow, to learn about Him, to worship Him, to get to know Him. Uh, we grow regularly in not just understanding God's Word, but understanding the Gospel and reapplying that to our life over and over again. And then because of that, it's a natural uh, outgrowth to give. When we understand how God has blessed us, then we want to give out, and we give out through ministry and service to others. Right now, we're in what we call our year of gather. Um, our messages on Sunday morning, for the most part, are geared toward that. And the way we decided to do that this year is to talk about one of the early churches. This is the church of Corinth. That's why we're taking this time to go through 1 Corinthians. And the reason we chose Corinth, because it was a church much like us. It was a port city, okay? It was a crossroads, a lot of people coming in and going there, a lot of different ideas. It was an upwardly mobile city. People there were, they were there uh, that didn't have a lot of money, but they were making money, and they were wanting to move up in society. And just like us, it was a church that had a lot of problems, and we're not perfect as a church. So as we go through this and learn, it helps us overall. So this is our year of gather. Um, we started off uh, about three or four weeks ago, I guess, maybe even before Christmas. Um, we were in 1 Corinthians 6, and Paul was talking. Uh, the, uh, the church at Corinth had written Paul a letter, and they said, we need to understand some stuff better. Can you teach us more what the Lord says on this subject or that subject? And one subject was sexual immorality. Because in those days, there was a very free society. In fact, a lot of their worship, it's actually, it, the worship in the pagan temples, surrounded sexual immorality. This was regular. This was commonplace. It sounds appalling to us, but that's the way it was in those days. So he's starting this argument on how to deal with sexual immorality. Several weeks ago, Nate preached a sermon that talked about um, that the answer to sexual immorality is, is, is Paul taught that we are, to, we are to flee that through holy living and through wholesome marriages that reflect the beauty of Christ. That's how we combat sexual immorality. Next, Tyler talked about the importance of displaying the beauty of Christ in whatever situation we find ourselves, whether we're single, we're married, divorced, or widowed. And all of us are going to be, at least in one of those categories, maybe more sometime in our life. So how do we display the beauty of Christ in that? Last week we talked about... Um, where Paul reminded us to be content with whatever situation we are in as we display God's glory wherever he has assigned us in the world. He has not just called us as believers, but he's assigned a place for us, a station in life, if you will. And then this week, Paul's message is aimed primarily to singles, reminding them that there is great freedom with being single. Now, right now, half of you are going, well, this doesn't pertain to me. I'm not single. I'm married. Well, guess what? It does pertain to you because you know people who are single. You can be a help and a guide to them. The other thing is this. If you're married like I am, I may not always be married. God may choose to take Jackie home before me, and therefore I will be single again. So these things apply to all of us. Now, as we read this scripture, we're going to read it in a, section, in, in a second, but uh, different versions place this word differently, and we're reading from the ESV, and Paul is talking to the betrothed, okay? The betrothed are basically the singles. In the NIV, it says, uh, now concerning virgins. So he's basically talking to people who aren't married. The reason they use betrothed here is because the betrothed even in that, in that uh, era, was a single person who maybe was engaged to be married, for, and their engagements lasted usually about a year. Uh, 
So anyway, he's talking to singles primarily through this, also married folks. So if you would, uh, out of respect for God's word, please stand. We're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 25 through the end of the chapter. This is the word of God. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if, you, uh, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as those who were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about, about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, He who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and Sometimes words written two centuries ago are so foreign to us. The context, the wording, it just doesn't make sense. Father, we need your spirit now. We ask your Holy Spirit to come to descend on this place, to open our minds, open our understanding, open our hearts. And we ask your spirit to have free reign, to change us, to help us to understand what you want to communicate to us through your word. We ask you now to come and speak. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. (coughs) All right. Paul here wants to remind single people that they have this great freedom to choose singleness. They have the freedom, this wonderful freedom that they possess when they're single. And then finally, he wants to explain to them the freedom they have to handle it all very well. Let's look, first of all, at the freedom that you have to be single. Verse 25, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Where else in the Bible, a book that we tend to think of as rules and commands and all this stuff we have to follow, and he comes up and he goes, guess what? There's no rule here. You're like, finally, not something else I have to remember. That's what he's saying. He goes, I have no command from the Lord here. But he also says in verse 26, it is good for a person to remain as they are. So basically, Paul is saying, you're free to do what you want because there's no command from the Lord. Now, this was shocking in Paul's day. And the reason why 
is being married was important, especially for women in those days, because the family was one's economic security. And also, in many ways, it gave that woman meaning for life. A woman without a family was considered, in many ways, a social outcast and a failure. Now, let's be honest. We still have this, desi- uh, this idea today. In fact, a lot of us think that way, you know? Well, she's getting up in years. She's not married. Poor girl, what's wrong with her? And that's wrong is what Paul's saying. That's not the way to look at it. Some of you may still cling to this idea, but Paul shatters this whole idea by stating that singleness is an option. In fact, he even says it's the more desirable option. Do you notice that in verse 38? So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. We don't think like that, but that's what he says. But at the same time, Paul also validates marriage. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. That's verse 28. It's important we hear both sides of this argument. Traditional voices elevate marriage over singleness, while more recent voices are doing just the opposite. Singleness is talked about today as a sign of social success in many, in many uh, areas. It's a mark of freedom, if you will. And Paul refuses to go to either extreme, though. You notice that? He's holding both of these in tension, and he's standing in the middle. That's an idea that, that both are legitimate, and it's what's needed, not just by the church, but society as a whole. For those of you, us that are married, we need to stop treating singles like they have some kind of disease. And you may not think you, you do this, but we need to stop saying things like, when are you going to get married? Just that question implies that they're doing something wrong. When are you going to get married? Sometimes we say, you know, you're not getting any younger. That's an encouragement to them. Or we say things like, quit being so picky. Remember what Paul says, so then, he who marries his betrothed does well, but he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Now, for those of you in here that are single, I've never heard you say this, but it would be wrong for you to come up to me, someone who's married, and say, John, why are you so needy that you had to get married? Can't you deal with life on your own? What's wrong with you? It sounds funny when we say that, right? But those are the things that we say to single people. So whether you marry, you do well, or whether you stay single, you do even better, according to Paul. Now, I know for me, I needed to be married. I didn't rush into it. I was 24 years old when I got married. Um, But I'm better off being married. I really am. As far as, many, uh, as ministry goes, Jackie enhances my, marriage, uh, my, my ministry. She makes my ministry better. But as a married person, I have to admit, I'm not always totally focused on the Lord because I'm concerned about Jackie. I'm concerned about my family. If they weren't around, I could be more focused on the Lord. But a wife, a family, they do distract us from having that single focus of serving the Lord. So, To recap, Paul says, you're free to do whatever you want. I have no command here. The second thing he talks about is the freedom that you actually have when you're single. Verse 26, back there, he says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Now, let's talk a minute about this phrase, the present distress. Bible scholars think that it can be many things here. It could be a famine that was going on in in, in the... In the, in the world at that time, there was persecution. It could be something else. But I think we get some clarity here in verse 29. <clears throat> verse 29 says, This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. Now, the word short there can also be translated critical. And I think that's what he's kind of uh, meaning here. The time has grown short. It's critical. It's limited. And I believe what Paul is saying is we're in a new time frame now. Jesus Christ has come. He's died in our place. He's risen from the dead. He's paid for our sins. 
to set us free. And in light of this, the world order has changed. Everything has changed. But time is now critical. It's limited. So let us think about how we're living. I think that's the essence of what he's trying to say. Time is critical now, so think about how you're living. And then this is what he says in verse 29. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short, very critical. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Those who mourn as though they weren't mourning. Those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. Those who buy no goods. Those who deal with the world is passing away. They're not dealing with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. So Paul's not saying here, and you got to hear this, he's not saying get rid of your spouse. Because that's what some people take this verse. He's not saying that. He's not saying quit mourning, quit rejoicing, quit buying goods. Rather, he's saying begin living as though none of these things was everything. As though they were the ultimate focus. All of these things are good, and there's an appointed time for everything. But when we elevate, when I elevate my wife as the ultimate, and I expect her to provide every desire of my heart, guess what? She wasn't designed to do that. In fact, she's going to fail at that. Only God can meet all of our needs. So he's saying, don't put those things in the wrong place. When you're single, your interests aren't divided. When you're married, they are. So don't put those things in the wrong place. Look at verse 32. Here's the gist of what he's trying to say. I want you to be free from anxieties. You guys are wrapped up in so many things, and I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Why? Because his interests are divided. Frankly, single people can live more focused on the Lord. They can. You ask me, hey, John, can you do this for me? You know, my first thought is, I need to call my wife. I need to check with our schedule. Hey, you want to go out to lunch? Let me get back to you on that. I'm going to go talk to my wife, right? When you're single, hey, you want to go out to lunch? You don't think, yeah, let's do that, right? Your interests aren't divided. Verse 35, he says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure, here's the point, to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul wants them focused on the Lord. Time is short. A new order is present in the world. The Lord has, has come and secured your freedom, so live with undivided devotion to him. Some of you who are single, man, you so want to be married. And you think, if I just get married, that's going to answer all my issues. And I got news for you. And this is no reflection on my wife. She would say, when you get married, everything multiplies. If you have a problem now, it's going to get multiplied when you get married. Live devoted to the Lord. And as you do, you'll be surprised at how God guides you. Um, I, I didn't date a lot in high school. I dated two or three girls in college. And during that time, nothing against the female sex, but I just got frustrated. I got frustrated with the mind games. I got frustrated with the masks people wore. And I, I just got tired of it all. It's like... And maybe I was just trying to figure out how to respond to women, how to, how to deal with the opposite sex. But I was just frustrated. And I finally went to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm just so tired of this. I said, I'm not going to date. I'm just, I'm, I give up on this. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, I, I, would love to have, I would love to have a female friend. Remove all the romantic stuff, all the emotional stuff. Just me and a girl I can be friends with. That's what I want, Lord. In fact, Lord, between you and me, I, I'm not going to date. I'm not going to find, I'm not going to go looking for a girl until you bring one to me. And I didn't date for a while. And I can't remember now, looking back, it was nine months, it was a year. But eventually, this girl shows up. And I took notice of her. I thought, she's cute. But I didn't go in there and ask her right away. I started to watch her. 
I started to see how she interacted with people in the church. And one of the things that drew me to Jackie was I was working with a youth pastor at the time. Uh, I was like his number two guy. I was, you know, there for all the meetings, went on the retreats and everything. But his wife couldn't come to our regular weekly meetings. But Jackie stepped in and said, I'll come over and I'll babysit your three kids free of charge every week. I'll just be there so that you can go and be with your husband. And I thought, man, that says a lot about her character. I like that. That's a girl who has ministry on her mind. She was doing it simply by babysitting. But that was one of the things, besides her cuteness and all, that just drew me to her. And I'm not saying that's what you need to do by any means. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just saying that's how God led me. I said, I'm going to be focused on you, Lord. I'm going to be devoted to you. And in that period of time, God pointed me to someone. So you have the right to be single. You have more freedom when you are single. And then the third thing is, you have freedom to handle your singleness well. All right? Verse 36. So if anyone thinks he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart. That's the key part there. Be convicted. Between you and the Lord, know what you need to do. And don't let anybody else tell you different. If you know you should be married, start pursuing marriage. If you know you need to be single, just tell people, no, God wants me to be single, and I'm firmly convinced of that. It has been established in my heart. Back off. And then we need to listen. We need to back off. The ancient world really placed a premium on marriage. But here in Corinth, this was being protested. Many people thought marriage got in the way of their personal aspirations. We see this idea today. You know, people say, well, I, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to get married and have kids because, you know, it's going to take away my, my personal time, all the things that I want to do. So people were being pressured from both sides, and Paul tells them, don't be under necessity, but make good decisions. Be firmly established in your heart. If you're going to handle this freedom well, be fully convinced in your mind that you should be either single or married. Notice this impl his implication here is the idea of being led by the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And he says, verse 37, having his desire under control. So as you are Spirit-led, determine this in your heart. Paul ends in verse 39 with a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. Here, it's just another reminder. He's speaking, obviously, to, to widows, but he's reminding us here that marriage is a lifelong obligation. It's not well, I'll stay in this thing until someone else comes along or until it works out. No, marriage is a lifelong obligation. It's till death do us part. But he tells us again that there is new freedom in being single. You see, I think Paul figured it out. He, he found the final answer, and his final answer wasn't in a spouse. It was neither being single or being married. And let's be honest, singleness as well as marriage, they both parade themselves around as the answer to everything. But in reality, singleness and marriage never fully deliver. If you guys are single and you think marriage is going to be where it's at, you still need the Lord and all that. If you're here married and you're thinking, well, if I could just be single again, if I could get rid of him, I could get rid of her. You think that's going to be the answer? No, it's not. Now that Christ has come, both are insufficient. You can experience a love that's better, a love that will never let you go, a love that will never let you down. And that love only comes through Jesus Christ. You know, I, I like to think that I am a good husband. And I remember when I wrote this down on this page, this week I thought, Man, God's going to smack me in the face with this. <laughs> and sure enough, 
This week, I was reminded once again, John, you're not as good as you think you are as a husband. Um, and in reality, I really am so messed up. Even within my marriage, I, I don't have it perfect. Um, but I'm so thankful that Jackie knows the Lord. She can experience the love that I know I experience in Christ. You see, we can both experience that. I'm not giving it to her, she's not giving it to me, but God's given it to both of us. That's what I think Paul figured out. So whether you're single or married, we should each have an urgency about the work of the Lord. Until Christ returns, there is work to be done, and we should not be complacent in serving him. Verse 31 says, For the present form of this world is passing away. Since Christ has come, God's new world order is breaking in, and we need to live serving Christ and serving his kingdom. Let's pray.